to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. And good to see each of you. It's a really good Labor Day weekend crowd. And for those of you in the mountains, your church is not bitter. We love you, all right? Thank you for joining us online as well, all right? But man, I'm good to, I am glad to be here. I'm glad to be in this spot. It's been a while. I've missed this location. I missed my church. So I'm going to jump into a new series. I simply entitled this series, History, Meaning His Story. We're going to look at the history that is the Bible. If you're like me, you grew up, I went to Sunday school. Uh, I was a little toot, and my parents would take us to Sunday school at First Baptist Church in Athens, Texas, and I remember going to Sunday school, and I remember getting those little books and, and the teacher teaching out of it and, and, and learning stories about the great men and women of the Old Testament and, and those stories that were so impactful in the Old Testament. And, and, and in this era that the churches find itself in, we, Sunday school is just not Sunday school anymore. It's not like it used to be. And not, not, not that it's bad. It's just that we've, there's parts of the Bible, especially Old Testament, just the meat of the Old Testament stories of Noah and David and, and Moses and Abraham. That, man, you got to know those dudes. Those are bad hombres. Those are cool dudes. You know what I mean? And, and I, I believe we're missing something as a church because we don't know that anymore. And I want to go back this fall and I want to look at the history of the Bible. These aren't Bible stories. This is Bible history. It's not Bible stories. That's not made up story. All right. This is Bible history. Okay. I want to look at those stories. I remember being in Sunday school and, and, and remember the song I used to sing in Sunday school and sing in vacation Bible school, the B-I-B-L-E. Oh, that's the book for me. I stand up on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. And I mean, it was just, we just rock in the house. And that's like, that's the stupidest song I've ever heard in my life. But that was a cool song when you're like seven years old. Those are the rocks, man. And then you go to big church and you sing hymns like, I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Man, are we still standing there as a church? Are we still standing? If we don't know them, can we stand on it? I believe there's a generation that's missing the Old Testament, missing the stories, missing the history. Because when we see the history of the Bible, his story, we see our story. We see our story. I subtitled my message on this series, The Same God. Mm, boy, he's the same God in the Old Testament. He's the same God, the God that spoke to Noah and said, Noah's name is the same God that speaks to me and says, Jeff, 
Just like he says, Jeff, he said, Noah. What he's asked of Noah, he asked of me. What he's asked of you, he asked of Noah. What he spoke to Abraham, he speaks to you. He's the same God. He isn't changing. Same God. Same God. Definition of history is simply this. The study of past events connected with someone or something. The study of past events connected to someone or something. History was not meant to be erased. History was meant to be embraced. My friends, let me say something to you. The history of our country, the history of our country is what it is. It is not meant to be erased. It is meant to be embraced. We can't erase the stuff we don't like and just talk about the stuff we do like. It's all of us. It's who we are. Listen to me. If you look at the history of my life, I can turn around and almost 57. I'll be 57 Thursday. If I turn around and look at my life, there's the history of Jeff's life. There's some stuff in there I like, and there's some stuff in there I don't like. But I can't erase the stuff I don't like because if you, if you don't learn from history, you'll repeat it. And listen to me. God picked up the pen of my past, and now he's writing a new thing in my life. That's what God does. He doesn't want you to forget it. He wants you to remember it because he wants to write from that. You can't erase history. You got to embrace the history. You can't erase the Bible. You got to embrace the Bible, the whole Bible. So listen to me. I think there's a lot of meat in the Old Testament in those characters in the Old Testament. There is power in those things. There's power in the history of the individuals in the Old Testament. And we're gonna break them down this fall one by one. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. Let me say it this way. All scripture is inspired by God. All scripture, every single bit of it is inspired by God. This is an infallible, inspired. I mean, this is God's word. Listen to me. You cannot change God's word to fit the culture. The culture has got to get up under God's word. You can't just change it to make it more user-friendly. You can't say, I don't like this part. I'm going to change this. No, this is the word of God. We're not, the, the, the Bible does not need you to believe it. You need to believe it. You don't need the Bible. The Bible's not going, oh my gosh, he doesn't believe me. The Bible doesn't cry. You don't give the Bible a Kleenex. The Bible does not worry about whether you believe it or not. The Bible is the Bible, the inerrant word of God, the God-inspired word of God. It is, it is the history of God, the history of God. And when you get into the pages of the Bible and you believe the Bible for what it says it is, then you see his story. And when you see his story, you see your story. You can't separate the two. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active. The, living God, uh, the word of God is living and active. Do you know that you will never pick up another book anywhere in the world that is living and active? This Bible right here is God-breathed, God-inspired word of God. 
It is living and active. And the reason this Bible is living and active is because we serve a God that is living and active. When God dies, the word dies. But God's not dead. He is risen. Why are you looking for dead inside where the living are? He is risen. He's the king. His word does not die. It is living and active. And when you get in the word, he can regenerate you like nothing else. You've got to understand the power that is in the word of God is the inspired and errant word of God. It is living. It is active. It is God-breathed. That is our word. Isaiah 55, 11, he says, my word will not return to me empty. It will accomplish that which I desire, that which I purpose. Listen to me. So many times people come to me and say, pastor, I got to ask you a question. I said, all right. How'd you know I was coming to church? I said, I, I didn't know you were coming to church. He said, well, you were talking right to me. I wasn't talking right to you, but the living, active, God-breathed word of God was talking right to you. The Holy Spirit met you right in your seat and he unpacked to you the truths of God's word. It is a compliment. I'm telling you, it is a compliment when you come into the house of the Lord and you feel like God is speaking to you or singling you out. That means he sees you, he hears you, he loves you, he's crazy about you, and he wants a relationship with you. That's what he wants. Jeremiah 15, 16 says this. When your words came, I ate them, and they were my joy. They were my heart's delight. When your word came to me, I ate them. Let, let me say something to you. How many of you really have a Bible, a B-L-B-L-E? Got a real Bible? You say, well, I got the Bible app on my phone, preacher. I don't need no Bible. Can I say something to you? Bible app is what the coaches tell kids sometimes. Well, thanks for trying. I mean, that... Thanks for trying. You, you ain't got it, dude. I'm sorry. Your mama wasn't athletic. Your daddy wasn't athletic. And you couldn't spell athletic if I gave you all the words. You did good to tie your shoe. Let's have a victory in that, victory in Jesus, but you got to go someplace else. Thanks for trying. That's the Bible app. Listen to me. This is the word of God. You got to get you a Bible, like a real like pages kind of Bible. Like, I want to hear. I hear this kind of stuff. And then I need you to get a blue pen, a red pen, a green pen. You get one of them ones that got them click, 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 them things. If I had a click, click thing when I was in school, I'd wear that teacher out because I can't sit still. I'm like, click, 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 click. You got to get one there, get a highlighter. I need you to get in the Bible. We're entering the fall. Get a cup of coffee, get alone and sit with God and get in his word, in the word. Not in your phone because, see, here's the I'm in the Bible app, preacher, I know, but they just liked your picture on Facebook and you're gonna go see what they said about your family. And you're gonna forget where you were. Oh my gosh, they liked it. Oh, he liked it. Ooh, ooh. Oh, look, there's a text. I can do lunch. Yeah, where you wanna go? 11.30, yeah, I can do that. All right, oh yeah, I got, you, you, what book are you in? I don't know. I don't know. Get a Bible, put your phone over here. Turn it on silent or better off, turn it off. And get in the Word and get a pen and write in green, and write in blue, and write in red, and get your highlighter, okay? Guys, don't get a pink one, okay? All right? But get a good highlighter, all right? And highlight that sucker. And listen to me. If you have a Bible, and it is your Bible, can I say something to you? There should be your name in the margin of your Bible a bunch. If I gave you my Bible right now, you would find Jeff just written out in several places. 
because the word of God will meet you right where you're at and it will speak your name. It will speak your name. We are in a generation of people that do not know the word. We just don't know the word. We know scriptures that we like, but we don't know the word. You've gotta understand what the word is. The the word of God is God speaking to you. God speaking to you. It is God breathed, the inerrant word of God without fault. It is, there's no errors in it. It is the living word of God. It is God inspired, God breathed, God breathing life into you. Get you a Bible, amen? Get a Bible. Psalm 119, 105 says this, your word, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you're ever going to know where you're going, the most important thing you can do is figure out where you're at now. If my feet are right here and I know that, then God has a chance to show me where he wants me to be. Outside, if you have your Bible right now, if it's really your Bible, write two words for me, please. On Psalm 119, 105, write two words for me. Write number one word, position. Position is, your word is a lamp to my feet. This is my position. Then write the equal sign and write purpose. If you will find your position in the word, you will find your purpose from the word. Let me say that again, because some of y'all are like, I don't get that. If you will find your position in the word, you will find your purpose in the word. Not in the world, in the word. It may take place in the world, but it's in the word. Many people do not know what God has for them because they've yet to put themselves in a position for God to meet them. Listen to me. What makes the people in the Old Testament really cool is God met them right where they're at, right in their position, right there. He showed them their position, all right? They called them men of faith, the women of faith, and then he, out of their position, he found, he found the, the purpose. Many people will not get under the word of God to figure out where they are so they never know where they're going. And it's very important that you put yourself in a position to hear God, to see God. If you never get in a position, don't hold God, don't hold God ransom for the fact that you don't know the purpose and what God has for you. If you, want, if you don't get yourself in a position, you'll never know purpose. Never know purpose. You've got to get under the word of God. Get under the word of God. You say, well, I don't like the word of God. I think it's old fashioned. It doesn't fit me. It's not for our culture. It's not for this day and time. It doesn't even make sense for our world today. Oh, it makes a lot of sense for our world today. You've got to get up under the word of God and you've got to quit being stiff-necked as God calls him in Romans 1. Romans 1's got the most chilling words he's ever spoken to man. It says they were stiff-necked and he gave them over to themselves. Oh, ain't nothing worse than turning man over to himself. Man will kill himself every time. Man, man can't get out of his own way. Man will always devour themselves, man. Listen to me. It's not about the word of God meeting you where you're at. It's about you meeting the word of God where it's at. We, we got this arrogant, cocky, you know, 
really a jerk culture that sometimes says, well, the, uh, the Bible's old-fashioned. No, you're old-fashioned, and you need to get under the old-fashioned word so you can produce something that's new, because otherwise, you're, you're, just, you're fighting the word of God. The word of God wants to do so much in you, but you won't give it a chance. And so what you see about Old Testament, man, you see guys in the Old Testament and ladies in the Old Testament, they, they, they absolutely had a fear and a faith in God that is second to none. That's second to none. And you're only gonna find it if you get in the word. You gotta find it in the word. I, people all the time say to me, hey, pastor, I got a big question for you. If the Old Testament's so great, where's Jesus in the Old Testament? <laughs> ah, you're so sweet. Uh, Jesus is in the Old Testament. You say, well, I never found Jesus' name in the Old Testament. Oh, you haven't? Okay, well, let me help you with this. So if that's you today or you're joining us online and you want to know what Jesus is in the Old Testament, let me take you to a passage of Scripture called Genesis 1, 26. Genesis 1, 26. Here's what Genesis 1, 26 says. Then God said, let us make man in our own image. Us. Okay, I've never... By myself, been an us. You ever, you ever introduce yourself as an us when it's just you? Nope. But if my sweet, gorgeous wife is standing beside me, we become an us. We become an us. If my son and daughter are with us, we're an us. What I'm saying is there's gotta be more there than just God if there's gonna be an us. And there is more there than just God because they are an us. Who's there? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three and one, the Trinity, present in Genesis, present from the beginning, present when it all began, when God spoke the world. That's the God of the Bible. He was there then, and he is there now. He hasn't changed, and he hasn't left, and he said, whoa, y'all weird now in 2022. I'm out of here. He ain't saying that. He's the same God, same God. You say, well, you sure about that, preacher? I'm real sure about that. Turn your Bible to John chapter one. I'll show you. John chapter one, John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. If you're still struggling with the fact that Jesus was at the beginning, I need you to please turn your keys in and give us all a break when you drive home because you're too thick. You got to understand Jesus was there. He was there. He's same God. He says, I was in the beginning. The word was in the beginning. So listen to me. When you want to dive into the word of God that is living, active, and breathing, you're diving into Jesus. Jesus, the living word, was present generation in Genesis, and he's present today. I'm trying to establish for us that he is what? Same God. Same God. He ain't changing, man. He's not changing. Look down a little bit further, John 1, 14. The word of God, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father full of grace and truth. Who is he? He's Jesus. What, was he even there in the beginning? Yes, he's, he's there now. Jesus is the living, breathing word of God. When you open up the Bible and you speak and you, you listen to the Bible, that is Jesus. 
You see Jesus. Many of us can't figure out who we are because we haven't opened the page of the Bible. When you open the page of the Bible, you come face to face with Jesus. When you see Jesus, you see yourself. You see yourself, man. The Word of God is living and active. The Word of God is flesh. It dwells among us. The Word of God is, is right now, right now, just as powerful and just as impacting for you today as it was in the Old Testament. Romans 10, 17 says this, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing for the Word of God. So people say, well, Bradshaw, here's a problem. I don't have the same faith you have. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You have the same faith. You're just not going to the right source. The only reason that I have faith at all is because the Word of God has faith. If I wanted to increase my faith, I increase my Word. If my Word time goes down, my faith goes down. The Word of God comes the, the faith that, that, that the Bible requires and God requires comes from the Word of God. We have all these commercials today. Oh, increase your credit score. Oh, make your credit score go up. Make your credit score go up. No, make your faith score go up. Listen to me. What you need is get more in the Word, and the more in the Word you are, the more faith you got. What makes people of great faith is their great Word. You don't have a faith problem. You got a Word problem. If you know the Bible and you're in the Word, your faith will increase. I'm just saying, you don't have to be a pastor or a minister. You don't have to be, not, you just be a regular dude, a regular dudette. It doesn't matter, okay? Dudette's probably not a word, I know, okay? But just work with me. So, so you just have to be a regular person. Listen, you can be a man or woman of great faith if you're a man or woman of the word because the word will make your faith great. If you're not in the word, you're not gonna have faith. I'm just saying to you. So Hebrews 13, eight says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's a good scripture, isn't it? That's one of them scriptures that feel like a warm sweater. Just, oh, that's a good one. That's like Psalm 23. But can I say something to you? That scripture is not there for you to feel warm and fuzzy. That scripture right there is to remind you that he's the same God. He's the same God. He's the same God that spoke to Noah. He's the same God that spoke to Abraham. Same God that spoke to David. He's the same God, man. He's the same God that spoke to Joshua. He's the same, same God. See, it's real easy for us in church on a Sunday morning after we have worship and all this other stuff, and we sing these songs and we're emotionally connected because, because the presence of God is, is sweet in here, and we read that scripture and we go, yeah, Paxton, that's a good scripture, amen. But what happens about two o'clock on a Monday afternoon? Is he the same God then? Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock on a hard day, is he the same God? When you get the phone call that scares you to death, is he the same God? When your marriage is a wreck and you don't know what to do, is he the same God then? When your wayward son just continues to be more wayward, is he still the same God? When you need a miracle, is he the same God? Yeah, he's the same God. He's the same God. And you establish that because the word says he's the same, same God. It's easy to answer that now, but it's tougher when it's called on the carpet. 
In West Texas terms, you put your money where your mouth is. If you say he is, then he is. Here's the question. Do you believe that to be true? Do you believe that to be true? Hebrews 13, 8. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The question is, is that true for you? When you look at the Old Testament and you say, man, the Old Testament is incredible. Oh, yeah. Some bad hombres in the Old Testament. But what stood out about all those dudes in the Old Testament and those ladies in the Old Testament was one simple word called faith. They had great faith. I want you to look at it in Hebrews chapter 11. This is the, we know about the National Football Hall of Fame and the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. This is the Faith Hall of Fame. It's better than all of them, all right? This is the Faith Hall of Fame. If you read Hebrews 11, you're gonna find all the different people of great faith listed in the Bible. We'll look at some of those this fall. But I want you to pick up uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. Now, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the angels were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed by God, command, on God's command, so that what was seen was not made out of what was visible. God made the world out of nothing. He made something out of nothing. By faith, God made the world, created the world. That's what he did, by faith. Faith is being sure of what we, we don't see it, but we believe it's there. If I told you that, that God said for me to step, if I said, God, you want me to step? Yes, I want you to step, Jeff. Then you need to make a step. No, 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 no. You step to nothing. And while you're stepping to nothing, I will make a step. Mmm. That's a little different there. Can I say something to you next week? We're gonna look at Noah. I'm gonna get a little hint on Noah. God asked Noah to build a big old boat. But do you know something? It hadn't rained a drop from the sky ever, ever, ever when he asked him to do it. Hadn't rained from the sky. Never has water fallen from the sky when he told Noah to build a boat. I know what you're thinking because you're thinking what I'm thinking. What? You crazy. I don't need a boat. Hadn't even rained. We'll look at it next week. He said, step, and I'll make a step. Because faith is stepping and God taking the invisible and making what's seen. Faith's a big deal. So faith, let's break it down. Definition of faith, two aspects. Number one, intellectual assent. Second, trust. Both must be present for faith to be there. Intellectual assent is believing something is true. I asked you a while ago, is Hebrews 13, 8 true for you? That God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You believe that is true. You say, yes, I believe that is true. Woohoo, go God, all right? That's half of faith. Second half is this. The trust is actually relying on the fact that what you say is true is true. You've got to trust the fact that that is true. That's a little different. Okay, it's one thing for me to believe it's true. It's another thing for me to act on it or rely on it. Let me show it to you like this. 
This, my friend, is a chair. Anybody got a problem with that? Y'all good? Online, you good? That's a chair. We know it's a chair. But just because I say that's a chair does not make that a chair. You say, yes, it does. If you say that's a chair, that's a chair. No, a lot of people can say that's a chair. But what makes that a chair is that I take what I believe and I put that with my trust, all right? That I have to put that with what I rely on. So if I say I believe that's a chair and when it becomes a chair, now it's a chair. Because if I'd have sat in that and it would have fallen to the floor, you know what I'd have done? Stupid chair. You ain't no chair. You a piece of junk. You know what I do to the next chair I find? I ain't sitting in it. Why? Because it dropped me last time. Listen to me. I can rely on that chair. I can rely on that chair. See, you got, a, you got intellectual ascent. Intellectual ascent or my brain tells me that's a chair. I believe God's the creator. I believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I believe that Jesus took my place on Calvary called the cross. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he died to give me life. But just because I believe that, it's not enough. We got a whole bunch of people that believe that. You got a whole bunch of the church that believe that. And when Jesus when they stand before Jesus, Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I believe in God. I believe that you died on the cross for me. That's fine. But scripture tells us that you believe in your heart. You must confess with your mouth. For though everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can't just believe in God and believe in the cross and expect to go to heaven because we've got a whole lot of people out there today that are wearing a T-shirt and got the bumper sticker, honky if you love Jesus, and they don't look any different than the whole world out there. None. You're telling me that all you got to do is believe and that's enough? I don't think so. You know, not that I don't think so. Scripture doesn't think so. We read this in James. James 2, 19. You believe there is one God? You know what it says? Good Good. Even demons believe that and shudder. So you believe God? You believe as one true God? Yes. You believe? You believe as God? Yes. Big deal. That's not enough. Nobody cares. Even demons believe that. It's not enough to believe it. It's enough to act out of it. If he is who he says he is, put your money where your mouth is. If you got tires on your truck and they're good, you give it a little gas and it'll leave a mark. If it doesn't leave a mark, guess what? You need new tires, amen? Listen to me. We've got a lot of people that say they believe, a lot of people. But listen, believing's not enough because basically when you say you just, then when you just believe there's a God, you believe the cross. You know what God says to you? You're just like the demons. I'm not calling you a demon. I'm just saying, if all you do is believe, it's just like the demons. Hebrews chapter 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists 
and that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. God, I believe that you so loved the world, you gave your only begotten son. I believe that Jesus went to Calvary for me. He took my place. He died. He was a spotless lamb of God. He took my place. And because of his death on the cross, I am made clean. I am made whole. I am made new because of that. Then put your faith in me, is what God says. He said, well, God, I, how? Sit in the chair. Quit talking about it. Quit saying you know you need to do it. Quit saying you believe in God and you believe in the cross and you know he took your place. If you know all that, then sit in the chair. If you know your God is the God of Abraham and Moses and Noah and all that, if your God is the God of those guys, then you know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If your God's a miracle God, then he's still a miracle God. And when you need a miracle, sit in the chair. Quit saying you believe it. You gotta trust. You gotta trust. Melissa and I both grew up good little Baptists. We heard the word miracle. We said, we believe miracles. But when all you got is a miracle to believe in, you're going to believe. You're going to sit in that chair. So her sixth, second diagnosis of cancer is bad. Gave us a death sentence. Said, I hope to give you two years. We two little Baptist people that heard the word miracle. It was time for us to sit in a chair. We couldn't talk about it anymore. We couldn't say we believe in it anymore. We had to put everything in it. So we push all our chips to the table and we ask our church to join us. And we say, God, do a miracle. Do a miracle. He did a miracle. Many of you understand, all right? God, I need you as my savior. I believe you die on the cross for me. I know you want a relationship with me. Then step out in faith and sit in the chair. It's not enough to talk about chair. God isn't looking for perfect people. God's looking for people of faith. Not looking for perfect people. Hebrews 11.1, 1, being confident of what we hope for, the assurance about what we do not see. James 2.17 I want you to listen to James 2.17. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. I believe that's a chair. Okay. Many believe that. You believe that's a chair? Sit in that chair. And when I come over and I sit in it, I don't have to know how it's engineered. I don't have to understand where it was made. It doesn't have to make sense to me. I don't even have to explain it. 
All I have to do is sit my tail in it. See, if you're waiting to be able to explain him, you can't explain God. If you're waiting to define his ways, you can't define his ways. His ways aren't our ways. His ways aren't our ways. His, his thoughts aren't our thoughts. It is time for the church, corporately and individually, to step out in faith, the same faith that those guys and ladies in the Old Testament stepped out in. Before a drop fell from heaven, we build a boat. Because here's what I understand. If you go into a prayer meeting about rain, you better bring an umbrella. Otherwise, don't come in. Because you don't even believe what you're saying. Saying. You believe it's going to rain when you pray. You're praying with a rain. You're praying with an umbrella. That's the kind of faith it takes. I want to end with this. James 2.17 says, in the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Listen to verse 22. You see, his faith and action were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. If he is the same God yesterday, today, and forever, then believe him to be the same God. Sit in the chair. Sit in the chair. Or just stop talking about him because you don't believe him. Even demons believe that he is God. But a demon ain't sitting in that chair. But there'll be a day that demon bows at his feet. I'm gonna say to you, church, if he is the same God, then what he's asking you right now, online, it's time for you to sit in the chair. Sit in the chair, man. Sit in the chair. He said, Jeff, I, I'm scared. You should be. I'm not going to make that feel better. You should be. But what he's asking me to do is crazy. Okay. Sit in the chair. It's out of my comfort zone. <laughs> uh, you're out of God's comfort zone too. Sit in the chair, man. Jeff, I need a miracle in my marriage. Sit in the chair. I need a miracle in my life. Sit in the chair. I'm tired of just saying I believe in God. I'm tired of putting my faith in God, my trust in God. Then step out and invite Jesus to become your Savior, and he'll make you new like that. I'm going to ask you to stay in church. I'm not just asking you to stand, but in a way, I'm asking you to sit. God says, you believe that I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Intellectual is believing in your head. Faith is right here. And when you know that right here, you sit in the chair. And until you know that, you're just going to hover. Church, I'm asking you, where's your faith today? Is it here or is it here? Is he the same God yesterday, today, and forever? If he is, then sit in the chair. Father, we love you. 
to bottom line, we love you. You're a good God. You're a faithful God. You've always come through. You've always been there right on time. You've never wavered. As Pac said, even when we were not faithful, you were faithful. God, it is high time for the church to sit in the chair. We've talked about you long enough. This world is not looking for another T-shirt. It's not looking for another bumper sticker. It's not looking for another honk if you love Jesus. It's looking for a bunch of people that believe God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And they sit in a chair. So God, I pray that you would move your church by faith to do the impossible. Because we serve and we know an impossible, a possible God who makes all things possible. God, we love you. As we worship, draw us by your spirit in Christ's name. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church at Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.